We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Knicks fans? Welcome to another episode of Cap Rules Everything Around Me. Cream, get the money, dollar dollar bills, y'all. I am your host, Jeremy Cohen. It is July 13th, 6.34 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we have some information. We have also a lot of information that is still out there that is certainly causing a frenzy. I don't want to bury the lead here. I think we all know why everyone is here. The Isaiah Hardenstein contract was $700,000 less than initially reported. And with an ascending deal, it, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm not. That's what it was. That's also why there were some issues with the math in terms of Brunson. But it's all been sorted out. We've got Brunson signed. We have Hardenstein signed. Mitchell Robinson signed. So the Knicks are now over the salary cap. And they can move on to phase two, phase four, whatever phase you want to call it, the next phase, which is... Whatever this is. Um, so obviously, uh, if you're a Knicks fan and you've been paying attention to it, you know everything that's going on around Donovan Mitchell. If you do not know what's going on around uh, around with Donovan Mitchell, um, well, folks, here's what's currently being reported. Out of seemingly nowhere, uh, yesterday, July 12th, Woj tweeted about how the Jazz were listening on offers. And, uh, you know... It came out of nowhere because even though people had an inkling of what are they going to do with Donovan Mitchell, it still was a little fascinating timing wise. And so it definitely feels like the Jazz leveraging Woj to call out to these other teams. Hey, yeah, like Donovan Mitchell, he's available. We're just checking the market here. And I think that ultimately... Danny Ainge and the Jazz have backed themselves into quite the corner. So it's fine that they wanted to trade Rudy Gobert. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, again, even if you don't want to try it with Donovan Mitchell and no Rudy Gobert, uh, I get that. I also could understand why you would want to try that. But Danny Ainge doesn't really care about that. He wants to have his own fingerprints on the team. And I'm sure he probably feels, why am I building around Donovan Mitchell if I myself am not even sure if I want to do that? And he probably doesn't because Donovan Mitchell is on the market. And if Donovan Mitchell were so good that he was just an absolute hands down, no questions asked superstar, he would not be on the market. But he's an excellent player, an all-star, very close to all NBA. um, And he is on the market. And so where do we go from here? Well, it seems that he's stuck in no man's land because he doesn't want to upgrade the team because it might hurt the long term, but benefit the short term. And he can't do nothing because then that's going to lead to Donovan Mitchell being unhappy. Donovan Mitchell not playing as well because there's less talent around him. And then his value dropping all of a sudden. So, uh, of course, because if the team's not doing well and if Mitchell is kind of out there by himself, what does that say about their long-term haul? So it's really fascinating. Uh, and then sprinkle in the fact that there is a bit of, um, I don't know if you call it a rivalry, but it's it's not exactly a friendship between Danny Ainge and Pat Riley. And listen, maybe this angle is played up. Maybe they're actually totally fine. They'd be happy to do business with one another. 
And that's cool. There's also the aspect of if you're Danny Ainge and you're giving Donovan Mitchell to the Heat, granted, the package that the Heat would be offering would be the best package available. So it's that plus the fact that you are helping one of your enemies, even if you're not in the same conference anymore, get better. I don't know how that sits with Ainge. And so it's just a really fascinating dynamic here. And if they're getting to a point of no return, what do you do with Donovan Mitchell? And I think the other thing that probably should be considered hasn't necessarily been reported, but I think it's just interesting is that, yeah, we could talk about CAA and connections and all that. I am wondering how teams perceive the Donovan Mitchell situation because he is an unrestricted free agent three years from now. Now you could be saying, well, hold on. That's three years, right? I mean, there's plenty of time. He can always change his mind. He can always be kept and all that. And that's exactly right. That could happen. But how many teams are positioned to give the best offer available and believe that they can retain Donovan Mitchell? Because there are these small market teams, right? Like there's the Pelicans, there's um, the Rockets, the Magic. Like you could find various teams that are Spurs. I mean, the Spurs, not really, but theoretically, sure, but it's not going to happen. It's just the mindset of, well, you got him in the building. He wants to win now. Is he going to be happy in a small market if he's not winning? Because he certainly didn't seem thrilled to be in a small market when his team was winning, when they had the number one offense, when they were just a very good team until obviously playoff playoff time came around. So it's pretty interesting to me how he'll be able to kind of navigate through all of that. And, you know, for, for me yesterday, I was at the point where it was, all right, this isn't going to happen. At least not this year. And then it seems like it escalates to a point where now I'm left wondering like, okay, probably when not if, right? Like, is it going to be this year? If it's going to be this year, how does that impact the rest of the team? If it's next year, how does that impact the rest of the team? Not really sure, but that's what we have in store for us. And I know that you out there who's watching, whoever's watching live, I'm sure you will have questions, comments for me, and I'm very excited to answer them. Uh, but the one thing I will say is that there is a good likelihood that this is the season finale of Cream. Oh, I know, I know, I'm disappointed too, but it's time. Anything that happens, most likely, John and I will be on it. And, uh, you know, we'll still be here. For you. But in the meantime, this is probably just putting a cap on capitals, everything around me. <laughs> see what I did there. And, you know, we'll see what goes from there. Um, so, yeah, Andrew, I don't know if we have any questions. And we do. Beautiful. Thank you, Andrew. Excellent producer. Uh, Lunas, I'm rock kicking us off. So, when's the Conk D Mitch 2.0 dropping? Yeah, damn. I, I've been spin zoned. I've spin zoned myself, honestly. Here's the thing if you listen to the last podcast I did, I was very much out on Donovan Mitchell. And I still have significant hesitations about this, right? Significant. It's the sort of thing where I fear having two smaller guards together, what that does to the rest of the roster. But I also wonder about the fact how, like, they clearly like the fact that Donovan Mitchell has a long wingspan. He came into the league with more of a defensive mindset or like defensive reputation, at least from the college perspective. And then he went the opposite direction, which is okay because he's a star. And part of me wonders if you get Donovan Mitchell in the building, granted, and I should have, I should have been more upfront with this at the time. At the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to cost, but that's not everything. There's more to it than that. And we'll certainly get into it as we continue today. But that's the thing. How do you find a way? To number one, get the ideal trade. Number two, set yourself up for success. And number three, plan long-term. Because Donovan Mitchell gets you to another level, but he doesn't get you to the level. And I know that even the people who love Donovan Mitchell, for the most part, I would hope at least, don't even believe, hey, you get Donovan Mitchell, you're a contender. It's getting someone in the door. My pushback is it's really hard to go from getting someone in the door like Donovan Mitchell and then getting another star. But if you're like the Knicks and you're doing descending contracts, if you're able to find a way to create cap space in 2025, or if you just have leftover assets that you can use in a trade a couple of years down the line, granted, it wouldn't be for um, uh, a player like Donovan Mitchell in the rookie max, the designated rookie max deal. Uh, you can only trade for one. That's why 
the Nets would have to trade Ben Simmons out in any Donovan Mitchell trade coming in. Uh, but yeah, Lunas, there's not going to be a second one, uh, but I will try to piece together the remnants of my brain being exploded after it might happen and just go from there. Jason M. Jeremy, will Leon hold the line and not get fleeced by Ainge? Four picks, one young player, and Rose Fournier for matching salary. I still just don't see how you can have a system where you have Donovan Mitchell, RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle. First and foremost, I just, that's a lot of high usage guys. I understand some can play off ball. I get that completely, but it's still, that's a lot. That's a lot of attention being focused. So my preference would be Randall going out. And again, I don't mean that disrespectfully to Randall. I mean, that is in, I still believe he's a neutral asset. He's a player who obviously the highlights or the highs of his career are um, overshadowed more by the lowers, the lowish parts of it. Um, Although he did have an all NBA season, which was incredible in terms of the Knicks. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with, Four first. I think that's probably my breaking point. And of course, ideally, you'd want them all to be the first of other teams. But realistically, I don't think that's the case. So you get a mix, right? Hopefully, you can get two protected of other teams, two unprotected of your own. Like if one of them's, say, 2023, the Knicks pick in 2023, and the Knicks pick in 2025, and the Bucks pick, and um, we'll say the Pistons pick, right? Like that's probably where I'm comfortable. And then it's Randall. And then if you need to get salary or any young pieces, you know, like Cam obviously makes sense there. We've talked about the idea of Randall and Cam going to Utah before. And then it's like, okay, well, how much time is Deuce McBride going to get if you have Jalen Brunson and you have um, Donovan Mitchell and you have Emmanuel Quickly? You might even have Derek Rose unless you trade him. And I think that there's some who might believe, well, well, hold on. How is it that the Knicks are able to kind of do all of this and not get any young players going out? Right. And they, they might, they, they might easily have players other than Cam Reddish, you know, maybe Quentin Grimes goes out, but I believe that by adding more picks to the equation that you are able to then not give up as many young players as you would hope to. And it all comes down to the timing. Danny Ainge doesn't have to make any deal. He doesn't like And yet we just talked about the fact that if he's basically entering this period of no man's land and they desperately don't want to be a good team and Donovan Mitchell's there and he's kind of pushing back any chance of a full-blown rebuild that they can have, that in itself is a bit of a problem. So Ainge has the leverage to pull Donovan Mitchell from the trade block. And I understand why he would be holding out for the best deal possible. I just don't know how feasible that is given where we're at now. Um, So we'll see on that. But yeah, I I think that ideally it's probably more Randall going out. Uh, Lunas again. Thank you, Lunas. Also feel like I'm taking crazy pills with everyone mentioning RJ in a deal. Feel we can top heat offer easily without him. Unprotected firsts are gold to Ainge. Yeah, let's let's talk about RJ. So we were actually talking about this. uh, It was me. Mostly me, uh, a little bit of John, and then also much more of Andrew. And Andrew and I were talking about RJ. And my belief was, well, like, first of all, I I understand why the Jazz would be asking for RJ. If they didn't ask for RJ, then why are they even doing their job? But it's still the idea of the Knicks and wanting to move RJ. At this point, I think it's worth questioning this. I would rather take RJ Barrett over a boatload of picks, right? Let's say four or five picks because I love them because I think that there's more potential there because I think that quality in the NBA oftentimes trumps quantity. Andrew brought up a point of like, well, yeah, sure. But like Donovan Mitchell's a star. You got to give to get. And I agree, but it's then just like Rudy Gobert went for four future first round picks. Walker Kessler, who was just drafted uh, Patrick Beverly And I want to say it was Vando. The point being here, it was also Malik Beasley. It was really none of the like core, core pieces. And so even if you think Donovan Mitchell's a better player than Rudy Gobert, it's the sort of thing where how do you go from a bunch of picks to throwing in arguably the best asset that the Knicks have in RJ Barrett? I don't really know. Um, And I think that 
over time, and Andrew would even uh, say this too, um, the idea of, yeah, maybe that is a little bit steep. Maybe there is more room to grow. So it's this push and pull of RJ and not. But I think ultimately, if you're the Knicks, you don't have to make this deal. You don't have to get Donovan Mitchell. It's great if you do, but yeah, I mean, if, certainly if you like the idea of getting Donovan Mitchell, but you don't have to make it so that it's Donovan Mitchell or bust. This team was not created and has not been designed with Donovan Mitchell as the ultimate piece. We're good. We're golden. Let's go win a title. It's not that. It's much more sustainable than that. It's, hey, we'll pounce when a star is ready. And I understand the logic of like, well, what happens if there is no star? But there's oftentimes always a star within a year, year and a half standpoint. Like DeJounte Murray hit the trade block. And a lot of fans were saying, well, when like I like DeJounte Murray, the Knicks have excess picks. I want them to go get him. Didn't happen. And then Donovan Mitchell's here. And now he's in the conversation. And it's, well, I don't necessarily want to. Like, to me, the Knicks, don't, the Knicks can afford to slow roll this. And by slow roll, I don't mean like toil as one of the worst teams and hopefully it works out. It's like, I would just like to see them be competent. But they can have a bounce back season and you can go from there. You don't necessarily have to go um, all in for Donovan Mitchell. And, and when I say all in, I don't mean like everything. I just mean you don't have to give up that much for three years of team control. It's not necessarily the type of thing you have to do. But in terms of RJ, yeah, I just think that's way too much. Luna Springs have a great point. Andrew, why do you hate RJ Barrett? I just do. Yeah. It's just it's just my MO. I, I now just to clarify, and I did this in the comments, but I'll do it on the stream. Our conversation last night was less about what I want to do. It was more of what I think it would take. And I have come around to both Jeremy's side and if you read John's newsletter today, John very well done. He, he uh, laid out the entire league, what someone could offer for Donovan Mitchell. And um, it actually leads into the next question um, as far as what the Knicks can offer trumping somebody else. But Danny Ainge also has, I mean, anybody who has followed his track record, he doesn't prioritize, like, give me your best young player. It's consistently been, like, go back to the Kevin Garnett, Paul Paul Pierce and Jason Terry trade. It was for a bunch of picks. The Rudy Gobert pay, Gobert trade for a bunch of picks. So Jeremy, I then now ask you this from Reynaldo Maldonado. Reynaldo says, okay, I'm hearing the Knicks got the best offer. Don't know if that's true. I couldn't tell you, but looking on paper and as John laid out, which was great because I was thinking of doing it and it's so much better visual than it is for me to speak it. There aren't a lot of teams that can make a really competitive offer and Donovan Mitchell wants to go there. And again, I know there are three years between now and when he's a free agent, but it has to be important. You know, like he's not going to go to a team like Houston, especially because Houston is going to lose their draft pick in the 2024 draft. If they don't finish one through four, uh, the Pelicans, they have tax issues. I have, we have yet to see them spend a, a copious amount of money. And by copious, I mean more than what they are eligible to spend before they hit the luxury taxes. Um, Orlando, they seem like a great option just based on Paolo and they're going to be a bad team again, but maybe they do it next year. But then you have two years to build now on Donovan Mitchell's timeline. And can you be a competitive team with Paolo and Donovan Mitchell? What else is there? What else do you have? So, you know, like when you look at the teams that are competing, I mean, I'll just run through them quickly, even though, again, I know John laid them out beautifully. Like most of these teams this season do not have their first round picks. Like if you look at Tankathon, the top, let's see, 16 teams that they project and, you know, who knows what actually happens with these, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 of the 16 first round picks are already out. If you're the Knicks, you have two first round picks. You can afford to part with one of them in next year's draft, certainly. So it's the sort of thing where how many other teams are at the point where they're looking to get better and they can get better and they have all of these assets and be able to trade for Donovan Mitchell to acquire him. I don't really know. It's, it's a very sticky situation for a lot of them. And the ones I'll, I'll say this too, the ones that have not traded their first round picks, let's run through it, right? Atlanta. I believe they can trade their 2025 first. I can look that up quickly, but obviously they're not going to be in the market anyway. 
Uh, oh, so they have, yeah, so they, they have their, they have two 2024 first. One of them's protected. It's from the Kings, but even still, they're not going to go after Donovan Mitchell after getting DeJounte Murray and having Trey Young. Not going to happen. Uh, Toronto, certainly possible, but they also have Fred Van Vliet. They're looking for a big man. I think it's more likely they stay. Hey, let's find a big man route. The Clippers, they can't do it. It's swapping rights this year and the next year. Their pick is going to Oklahoma City, I believe. So that would violate Stepien. Miami, they could do it because they have the 2025 first round pick that's going to OKC. So um, yeah, it's going to OKC. So theoretically, yes. Memphis, sure. But I just don't see them as making this type of deal. I just don't think it's what they would do. Phoenix, obviously, is in a point where they're probably looking at KD. Uh, so they're kind of locked in. I don't, also don't think that they would go after Donovan Mitchell, but maybe, I mean, maybe I guess they could. And then golden state is the last one. And their first in 2024 is protected and it's going to Memphis. So not a lot of teams. If, if this is the time right now, there aren't a lot of teams who can make a great offer next year. Maybe, but there also might be other stars on the market. There might be better players. Donovan Mitchell, his value might drop. It could rise. It's so much fluctuating. That's why I think if you like Donovan Mitchell and you wanted to be a Nick, I can't blame you. And if you like Donovan Mitchell, you don't want to be a Nick, I can't blame you. And if you like Donovan Mitchell and you don't want to be a Nick right now, guess what? I can't blame you. So that's kind of where it is. Uh, Dom Cappuccini. Hey, Dom. Hey, Jeremy. Are you buying the idea of the Knicks taking advantage of their surplus of first to the point our young core isn't gutted a la 2011 mellow trade? Yes, I am. So I'll probably do a thread on this tomorrow for Twitter. But the the quick summary uh, summarization here is the mellow trade was very problematic because the Knicks didn't use another team's first round picks. Or because the Knicks used their own first round picks and didn't have another team's first round picks to cover what they gave up, right? Like we as Knicks fans know better than anyone that the Kristaps Porzingis trade is hurting the Mavs long after. And I say long after, but it's like, you know, six months. I don't know. Not even um, that Kristaps Porzingis is gone. Why is that? Because they banked on having Luka Doncic, which is fair, but then adding a an injury prone player who's really good when healthy coming off of a torn ACL and using their own first round picks. If they had used another teams, they would not be in this position, but they did not have another teams first. The Knicks do. And I think that's the key difference. But and I was actually talking to Benji about this because he asked me a question about mellow and it inspired a thought that I hadn't really considered before. There's a lot of talk of the Knicks overpaid for Carmelo Anthony. And I think that in a vacuum, that's, that's true when you consider, well, yes, even with a looming lockout, the best thing Carmelo Anthony could have done to help the Knicks would have been going to New York as a free agent. Understand why he didn't. Understand why the Knicks overpaid. But the Knicks also did, a, did an extend in trade. And it's kind of the last extend and trade we've seen for a not for a guy who's not in his rookie deal. Um, the reason I say that is because the following year, James Harden didn't extend and trade from OKC to Houston. But in terms of like players who are going to hit unrestricted free agency in recent years, it's pretty much just been Kevin Garnett in 2007 when he went to the Celtics and Carmelo Anthony when he went to the Knicks. So the Knicks paid a lot but they also paid for an additional three years of team control. And I think that gets lost on a lot of people because it's this idea of, well, they paid all of this and then he played 20 games and then he could have hit free agency and then you resigned him. So it's a sunk cost. It's a sunk cost, but that also wasn't the terms of the deal. The terms of the deal were essentially, hey, we could get all of this. Like we could give all this up, get Carmelo Anthony, and then we could extend him for an additional three years. Plus the uh, early termination option, which he did, in fact, elect to do, test the free agent market and stayed. Um, I think if you want to, there are a lot of things that could have gone wrong. When he, hit, when he hit the open market in 2014, that was at the point where I really felt it's time to look in another direction, maybe do a sign trade. That way you could go to Chicago, seemed like he wanted to be there, but the $50 million he would have gotten from staying in New York was simply too much from him. That's fine. But I think that's where the difference with Mello and Donovan Mitchell, or one of the key differences between um, 
I shouldn't say differences because Donovan Mitchell has three years of team control. It's it's actually closer to one of the similarities. The difference there is Carmelo Anthony, when he was traded, was a top 10 player. Uh, indisputable. He was top 10. He had achieved more in his NBA career up to that point than Donovan Mitchell has up to this point right now. And so if you're a Knicks fan, you're probably thinking, and rightfully so, why are the Knicks giving up more or as much as they did for Carmelo Anthony in the three years and change to get him compared with Donovan Mitchell in the three years, because again, the fourth year he has as a player option, uh, to get Donovan Mitchell. And it's right. It shouldn't be as much. And if there aren't many suitors, like with what the Jazz are clearly trying to do by getting the word out there that Donovan Mitchell's on the block, then you shouldn't have to bet against or bid against yourself. Because if there, if there aren't suitors that can get to where you are at right now, don't up the ante. Worst case scenario, the Jazz say, yeah, we're going to pull him back. Okay, cool. We're going to stick with the plan that we are currently doing anyway, and we'll reevaluate this later. So I'm glad Don brought up the mellow situation because, and I'll elaborate more in detail via Twitter because I know not everyone's going to listen to this school. Uh, for those who maybe won't get to see it or want more evidence, whatever it is, you'll see it on Twitter too. Uh, Mino F. Jeremy, do you think the Knicks would have still pursued Brunson free agency if they knew Spider was going to be available for trade this offseason? I do. The reason I do is because Leon Rose is still deeply connected to CAA. I'm sure there was enough back channeling. Like we have even talked about this, just fans have talked about this, right? Like we've been saying how, okay, how long is Donovan Mitchell going to be in Utah? Granted, I didn't think it would get to this point until next year. That's it's surprising to me. But I'm sure that with CAA, there were probably not even whispers. There were probably just open conversations about like, yeah, something's got to give here. And I think it just escalated. And I'm sure that if this were even two weeks ago, that they probably had a lay of the land, but they probably kept it quiet. They were quietly fielding offers. And I think that probably the larger tipping off point or the the larger um, tipping point should have been for us, and maybe it was if for if it, if someone out there was thinking this, and kudos to you. When the Jazz said, "Yeah, we're we're completely taking Donovan Mitchell off the market," you really have to blow us away with an offer. But no, he's he's not going anywhere. Really, that's probably the moment where should all right, yep, I see you. This is leverage. Okay, cool. So, you know, Ian Bagley said today that he doesn't necessarily believe that the Jazz are going to try to build around Donovan Mitchell. And like I was saying, I can't say I blame them because if the whole mindset is, well, we're probably going to blow this up in a few years. If the writing's on the wall and you've already stripped away Rudy Gobert, think you have your answer if you're Utah. Got to push through. Uh, Steve Savelle, can Miami even have Bam and Spida on the same team? Both signed rookie max extensions. So it's not having two rookie max extension players that's the problem. Uh, for example, Denver has two, right? It's more when you trade for a guy. If you trade for a player like Don, who's on a rookie max extension, you can't have two of them. So this actually leads to a very interesting conversation, um, which would be then, yeah, RJ Barrett probably doesn't get a max because if you trade for Donovan Mitchell, it's the Ben Simmons situation, right? Like you can't well, actually, you might be able to. Now I've just uh, Andrew, I, can't, you are. I cannot believe this is going to happen, but I actually know this. Yeah. So um, it's the issue with the Ben Simmons Bam thing that everybody's brought up in the KD thing with the the max extension guys is you can't trade for two of them. So the okay. problem with Brooklyn is they can't trade KD for Bam because they would have already traded for Ben Simmons and Bam. Gotcha. So the Knicks could give RJ a max extension and then trade for another guy. It's that they then can't trade for another guy that's on a rookie max extension. This is Makes upside sense. down. Yeah. And I no, no, no. That, it's yeah. so, so someone had uh, DM me on Twitter yesterday mm-hmm. to ask pretty much the same question. And I actually, I gave the answer you gave. And then I read Ian's um, post today about with Ben Simmons. And I think that's then what threw me out, even though it's totally correct. It was then that part of like, Oh, well the, the two and trading for what? No, but you're right. That's, yeah, that's 100% yeah. It. so the the issue, uh, listen, I found out about this rule when the Katie trade 
request happened. So I'm not going to pretend like I knew. Enough, no, no, but this is literally just thing I found out. Continue with your live stream, Jay. Well, I thank you. Appreciate that, Andrew. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showering in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using discount code FILMSCHOOL for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just need a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. No need for night vision goggles. This trimmer has an LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. Second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep in your step with the Crop Preserver Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Spray-On Toner. With the performance package, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code FILMSCHOOL at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use your code FILMSCHOOL. It's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. Uh, Rich Jim, if Mitchell wants to win now, he won't with the Knicks. And if he really wants to be a Nick, then wait until he's a free agent. Yes and no. I don't know where Donovan Mitchell can go where he'll really win now. And it's worthwhile for the Jazz. And I think the Knicks view this as a step in the next direction. Now, here's the thing, Rich. I actually agree in the sense of I would prefer to wait for Donovan Mitchell. I feel that a winning formula, as I talked about in the last podcast, is get your ducks in a row. And then when you want to make that big trade, you make the big trade. But that's really the last line of defense before you say, hey, this is our title winning team. Let's do it. Because if you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you're basically left with three options. The first option is that someone who's still on the team becomes a better player than Donovan Mitchell. Maybe it happens, right? Maybe RJ Barrett becomes a better player than what Donovan Mitchell is now. And they take the league by storm and they're great and they do awesome things. That's one option. The only problem is... Maybe that's not who RJ is. Maybe he's not going to be a superstar. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying RJ Barrett's going to be a star. The question is then, you know, are, are we talking like Donovan Mitchell star? Or are we talking Jason Tatum star? Or are we talking Steph Curry? Star? I mean, you know, there are levels to it, obviously, but that's kind of one of the big 
questions you have to ask yourself if you trade for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, the second one then is, okay, we trade for Donovan Mitchell. If we can't get internal production and, you know, let's lump the draft into the internal production part. Um, how do we trade for a star? Because you would have just traded a lot of assets for Donovan Mitchell. So now you have to trade a lot of assets for a second star. And you also have to have the salary to go out, which isn't impossible. It's just tougher to do. And then you're not so much hamstrung by your pick situation, but it's not the easiest because you just kind of tied yourself up a little bit already. And then you have to find the right star who works with it. Because with Donovan Mitchell, I think the mindset for a lot of folks is... He's a star. Get him in the building. That's great. Let's say you get Donovan Mitchell in the building. Another star comes available, becomes available. They have to fit what you're doing too. Cause you can't just like, Oh, cool. Another, let's say another guard becomes available. Well, let's call it SGA, right? Like it's not, I don't see it happening too much years of team control, but just roll with it. Right? Like, are you trading Brunson in that case? If you're not, then it doesn't make sense. Because you would have just tra- traded for Donovan Mitchell, and you're not going to trade Donovan Mitchell for uh, SGA, um, and you also probably couldn't because of the fact that same thing. What Andrew was just saying, the the double veteran or the double rookie max designated max two players you can't trade for both of them. So that's two, and the number three, which is kind of the drum I've been beating, 2025, descending contracts doing everything lining up all your ducks in a row so that you can trade for Donovan Mitchell. You can have other talent on the roster. You can have RJ Barrett, anything, but you've created enough max space to then say, Hey, one of the driving forces behind why we wanted Donovan Mitchell in the first place was to appeal to other stars as the Knicks start winning. And that is kind of your last line of defense. And it's why I get stressed because it puts too much pressure on 2025 because you've already done something. If players don't like Donovan Mitchell, if player, if, if Donovan Mitchell gets hurt, there's, you know, I know you could talk about a lot of different what ifs, but to me, it's a cleaner thing of like, Hey, you get Donovan Mitchell wants to come to New York in 2025. He talks with another star about teaming up. We've seen this constantly. And then you go, boom, boom. One of them, you know, it could be signed Donovan Mitchell and then, uh, go over the salary cap to trade for a player under contract. It could be signed out of a Mitchell and then go over the salary cap to trade for another free agent via sign and trade. Um, all sorts of things. It's just how do you get from Donovan Mitchell in the year 2022 to another star in 2025, hoping everything goes to plan. And if it doesn't, what's next? What do you do? You probably have to do another trade. So you'd use that cap space, sign maybe a non-elite star or, you know, someone who's really good, but not incredible. And then you probably try to flip them with your future picks from there, because you would imagine by 2025, you'd have access to all seven of your picks in the next seven years as they keep going and going. So that's why it's just tricky. It's why I would prefer to see Donovan Mitchell wait. I'm not anti-Donovan Mitchell uh, and I'm not anti-Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks. It's more my hesitations about the timing and it being when. So, um, Rich, uh, I hear you. I share similar uh, sentiments. James Lee. RJ's abysmal finishing never improved despite his, quote, work ethic. There was a one-handed prayer while in contact. Was never big on him since the draft. Any max or near max contract narrative baffled me. Trade him now or never. Okay. So, James is one of the people... I, I appreciate James because you're you're saying your stance and it's not the it's not the one that is a popular one. So I, I do appreciate you sticking to your guns here. I would say for RJ, this summer, Drew Hanlon has talked about that he is working on finishing. So we certainly hope that that is the case. But I think to RJ, for RJ, he matters to the Knicks in a lot of ways. Number one, he is talented. There's room to grow there. He's 22 years old, just turned 22. There is still room for him to be a better player. RJ also just has that it factor, right? Like, you know, he's tailor-made for New York. Uh, Fred Katz has talked about on this podcast, how RJ constantly goes out and faces the media. He loves being that guy. And that's not going to win you games, right? It's just not. But it's the sort of thing where if you have someone who's good, doesn't have to be the best player on the team, but is a really good player, and has the appeal and can also 
leverage his connections. I mean, Duke, NBA, like all these different things. Drew Hanlon, like you meet guys. It's a small league. You network, you make connections, you try to build teams together and you go from there. I think someone brought this up and it's kind of fascinating. It's that a lot of the European or international players oftentimes don't create super teams. It's much more of the American born stars. And I think a big reason for that, or as it was proposed and I agreed with was, well, there's also the opportunity in the, a- in, you know, the AAU circuit or um, these all America games, college, whatever it might be, where these players can just more easily befriend each other and make connections and kind of lay the foundation for how they can add people. So I think even if you don't love RJ Barrett and it's fine, it's the fact that like he's still going to be someone who can help you open the door for other players. And I think that is something that's really hard to replace. And another thing at worst, he's continuous soup in that you can use RJ Barrett. He's on a, he's making like $11 million next year. The year after he's going to make a pretty hefty salary. Not probably not going to be max. I'd be surprised if it were max and that's fine. And then if you ever need to make the move, you can essentially do like what the Raptors did with DeMar DeRozan. I'm sorry, little one. Sacrificing a beloved homegrown player for Kawhi Leonard. And it worked out pretty well for them. So just grow with the guys who are here. If you trade RJ Barrett, it's got to be for someone that's on the same trajectory. I don't know who that would be who's available, who is a as good of a player, uh, who's better, where you also throw picks into that. Just don't get it. But, but I, again... I understand that's not the most popular opinion, so I appreciate you bringing that. Thank you, James. Seven uh, W. I would rather give up six picks than give up RJ. Yeah, again, refer back to what I was just saying. Like the, I think still quality is greater than quantity, but even still, with that, the picks they don't really have the same gravitas. They are not going to be as alluring because when players also look at future picks, they think, "Cool." Like a teenager, that's not going to help me. I want to win now. And RJ Barrett is not a teenager. He's 22. He's developing. He's growing. You would hope that him improving and getting further down the line and accelerating that timeline, especially if Donovan Mitchell's here, is being able to go. Jason M. Don't think Ainge will take uh, Julius Randle four years left on deal. Again, uh, Randle could still easily opt out after the third year. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. It's also an opportunity for Julius Randle to stat pad, uh, pat, stat pad, no, I was right first. Time. Stat pad like crazy and up his value. So, um, wouldn't shock me, honestly. Anthony Taylor, I like Donovan Mitchell, but think that RJ would need to make the defense, uh, would be needed to make the defense work. Kind of uh, afraid of a Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell backcourt defensively. We would need someone to guard wings. Yes, I would agree with that. I think also that's probably where Derrick Rose comes into play. You could, I don't know exactly who, but you would probably want to use Rose's salary to get some more wing help, especially if Cam Reddish is on the way out, even if it's in this trade. One of the things I was thinking is that if you could find a way to get Brunson, Mitchell, and Barrett to all kind of take a small step back offensively and focus a lot on the defense, that would pay dividends. Because RJ was a I mean, he's a good defender but the problem is that he's then tasked with a lot offensively and it's hard for him to be a great offensive hub and a great defensive hub so maybe he settles for being a very good offensive player and a very good defensive player something that you know it doesn't have to be like 50% for these guys but like just taking 10 to 15% less right and focusing on the other side of the court being a little bit more cohesive if Donovan Mitchell has the length if he had the mindset hopefully it can be rediscovered Maybe with Tom Thibodeau and Johnny Bryant, they can kind of uh, light a flame, uh, you know, what he's able to do defensively and try to rewire him in some way where he's a little bit more uh, tenacious, so to speak. Uh, FM lag. Uh, JC, how would adding Donovan Mitchell to the cap influence the RJ extension? It wouldn't. Uh, that's totally fine. The bigger question is how does the RJ extension impact the rest of the team moving forward? Because if you have Donovan Mitchell in the building, you want to keep adding talent. So if you're doing it by free agency, you hope that RJ Barrett is also descending. You would hope that, assuming Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin would still be here, that they would be on descending deals. Um, you know, if, Cam, if, uh, if Quentin Grimes is no longer on this team because he was traded, 
Well, okay. Uh, the difference there is you wipe away his cap hold, which is $12 million in 2025. So there are ways they can get around it. It's just, there's a lot that needs to happen between now and later where it's tough to say exactly, you know, this is the right move. This is too much. This is a good amount. So we'll take it step by step, but it's more RJ than it is Donovan Mitchell. Dom Cappuccini, how realistic is a three-team deal to potentially save the Knicks a couple of picks and a young player? Or do you find this method even necessary? It really depends on what Utah is comfortable taking. Again, like if, if you think like what Jason's saying, that Utah isn't going to take Julius Randle, then probably need a third team. If they're comfortable taking Julius Randle, then you probably get it done with a, two, with a two-team deal. If it's other players, then... Maybe you do that too. I mean, if it's Evan Fournier and Derek Rose, for example, Rose can effectively be an expiring contract. And Evan Fournier, again, helps you with the cap because the Jazz are probably not going to be uh, spending a lot of money the 2023-24 season where he's under contract. But one other thing to consider, and I know uh, Prez, El Presidente brought this up, is the Jazz still need high usage guys, right? Like even if they tank and they can tank, they still do need some sort of players to run an offense, to do something. You would hope that someone like Julius Randle isn't exactly going to win them too many games if they're selling off other players. So, and again, they could still rehab his value and the Jazz have the opportunity to go into the deadline as a not good team at all and still be the ultimate sellers. Trade Julius Randle. Trade Boyan Bogdanovich, trade Mike Conley, any of these guys who Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, who's still on the team, being able to use them in trades, I think they'd be fine with it. And they still wouldn't win a ton of games because the West is really competitive and the East is pretty good too. What do we got? Still Dre. All the Spider talk feels like the Ivy talk from the draft. Maybe, maybe, but this also kind of goes to the thought process where you could have had Brunson and Ivy together. At least that's where I felt at the time. I still feel that way. And if you're having Brunson and uh, Mitchell together, then yeah, it makes sense. But the Knicks are certainly in a better position now for Donovan Mitchell than they were on draft night, especially after they did not get Jaden Ivy. Dan Hidalgo uh, caught uh, CapWiz live. Am I wrong to not want Spider? No, again, if you don't, necessarily want Donovan Mitchell, there's logic behind that. And if you do, there's logic behind that too. I would push back a little bit on it, but I understand where uh, where the fans who want Donovan Mitchell in the building are coming from. Totally valid. Uh, FM lag. What's the line of young players you're, uh, you're good giving up other than Cam, Deuce, Sims? So let's start with the players who cannot be traded. Jalen Brunson cannot be traded. Isaiah Hartenstein cannot, uh, and neither can Mitchell Robinson or Jericho Sims because they were just signed. You have to wait a period of time. So, yeah, I mean, if Quentin Grimes has to go, then I would understand it. I'd probably stop there in terms of the the best talent, that the best young talent the Knicks have on the roster. I would keep RJ and I mean, here's the thing. Again, you want to talk about recruiting and whatnot. Emmanuel Quickly and Donovan Mitchell are close. They're good friends. There's also that image of them working Donovan Mitchell's camp with uh, Eric Paschal, who has not signed. Just saying, why would they do that? Uh, so that could be interesting. But other than that, you know, like, again, I, I think if you're bringing in Donovan Mitchell and you have Jalen Brunson and you have RJ Barrett, that's where Obi Toppin comes in, not Randall. It's just Obi is a. He's so much less high usage that he benefits and he can do more without the ball. Randall, we know, needs the ball to operate, but so does RJ, but so does Donovan Mitchell, but so does Brunson. And some, I mean, they can play off ball, but that's not their specialties. That's not their strengths. So, or at least that's not the reason. Like the Knicks aren't trading for Donovan Mitchell, hypothetically, because he's a great off ball player. They're trading for him, hypothetically, because he does a lot on the ball offensively. So it's something to keep in mind. And it's why I believe that they still need to find a way to move Julius Randle off the team without Donovan Mitchell and then throw Donovan Mitchell into the mix. And then you absolutely need to move him. So um, I'd say I, I would hold it at anyone's fair game except for RJ IQ. And if you have to use the picks that you have, that's why you got a surplus of picks. That's why you brought more in. So you could find a way 
And if you're Utah, I mean, it sounds like Utah is prioritizing picks. That's what um, I believe Ian Begley was saying. Jake Fisher might have even said that too. It's just if you are entering a rebuild and you're in year one, you don't want to have to focus on like which player might pop and then I have to spend a lot of money on them, right? Like Cam Reddish, he could do a really nice job getting heavy minutes on a bad team and then get flipped at the deadline. And then they don't have to worry about paying him. And they, they found an asset that they turned into something better. And that's totally fine. I wouldn't blame them for doing that one bit. But you probably want to prioritize the long-term future, way long-term. And that's where picks really help. And if I'm the Jazz, I, I focus more on that. Xavier Lopez, you have to pay to play in this league. RJ Mitchell doesn't get you far in the playoffs, but it'd be nice to see this young core grow together. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not going to get you far, but it's a start. That, I think, is the logic of those who want Donovan Mitchell. It is a start. You have to go from there. My question is, what is the gap in between going from there to becoming a contender? It's not necessarily as easy as, hey, let's just sign this player. And again, I understand that this is coming from the person who is saying, well, trade up in next year's draft. Keep it going. Get better. Make improvements. And then 2025 rolls around and you try to look for a free agent there. But I think, again, the difference is the order of operations. Trading for a star now and then looking for an even better player three years later is a very different situation than three years from now trying to find two guys to link up. And if no one, for whatever reason, wants to come to New York, even though they're going to be on the upswing no matter what, then that's when you say, okay, let's make a big trade. Someone's going to be available, right? Because someone's always available. So, yes, it would not get you far, but it would be a start. And then you have tinkering that you can do. And then you go from there. Dirty Dancer. Since Utah would be tanking, who would you want added into the deal on their end? On their end, I I mean, money-wise, they probably no one. My guess is that... So here's one thought. Utah is paying Rudy Gay... This year, and then he's got like a six million dollar player option the year after, which if you're in your mid-30s, you're probably gonna want to take. Two things that could come about it. Number one, the Jazz are cool keeping Rudy Gay on the roster. Do whatever, right? Like we're we're probably not gonna hit the, the cap floor. We may not, so we might as well keep Rudy Gay on, on the roster. It's totally fine. Or they want to save money this year and they say to the Knicks, hey. Take Rudy Gay off of our hands, bury him on the bench. We don't really care, but we'll attach him to Donovan Mitchell and, you know, your side of the package lessens a little bit. Like, I'm not saying that's enough for the Knicks to not include a first, but maybe it's a little different because it still saves the Jazz money. Because the worst thing you want to be is a bad team with a low ceiling that's capped out and spending a lot. That's not good business. So uh, other than that, I don't think there's a lot that the jazz could add. They don't have a ton of liabilities. You know, Conley is, um, I'm sure there's value for him. I don't know if it's quite what the jazz are looking for, but he's got a year guaranteed. And then a year that's non-guaranteed. I think it's like $14 million non-guaranteed, something like that. 12. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich is an expiring uh, free agent. They got, they already dumped Royce O'Neal, Patrick Beverly, he just signed an extension and was promptly traded. Malik Beasley has a club option. So a lot of ways they can go about it to create cap space and also just trade a lot of these players away. Jason M. How do the Knicks have all these draft picks to trade? The media told me the Knicks gave up so much for Brunson. Oh yeah. Um, well, the funeral for those five second round picks, uh, it was beautiful. It was just a lot of great speeches meant a lot. We laid them to rest. No, I think the fact is that I would much rather take Jalen Brunson and the cost of doing business than what the Knicks had and then banking on Donovan Mitchell. Now, I understand you could say, well, it's still concerned about the short lineup and all that. And that's true. But it's also like, again, I think Jalen Brunson can set the table in a way that Donovan Mitchell's playmaking has gotten better. But it's nice to have diversity in terms of having two guards who can actually run an offense. When's the last time we were able to 
really see that. So yeah, I agree, Jason. Steve Savale. I like Julius and I think he will bounce back for us, but if we need to move him given recent news, the Hornets need a power forward. Yeah. This goes to um, what John was saying in terms of moving Hayward to Charlotte, excuse me, moving Randall to Charlotte, Hayward coming back. Obviously in this, you want Hayward to go to a third team or it's two separate trades, the jazz and the Knicks and the Knicks and the Hornets. And maybe it's the Knicks Hornets and and another team. So, a lot of things that could be at play, but if the Knicks do get Donovan Mitchell, I think it's safe to say that Randall to the Hornets and Hayward to the Knicks would be out of the equation just for many reasons. I know John would agree with that too. Kevin Danishevsky, if they get Mitchell and don't trade Randall outside of Charlotte, where can you see Randall landing? Also, they better not trade Quentin Grimes. Hashtag Quentin Grimes fan club prez. I still go back to Utah. I mean, obviously the, the terms of what I was saying have changed. It's no longer, hey, how can we find a way to to get Donovan Mitchell and Julius Randle together? It's okay, we're trading Donovan Mitchell. What does the package look like? And again, I know, I know that a lot of fans just don't like John, uh, Julius Randle. I understand that. I'm I'm well aware. This is also an opportunity for the Jazz to turn something around. At least to turn Julius Randle around. And I think what better environment than a team that has very low expectations and he could just kind of do whatever he needs to do in Salt Lake City where they're not going to have any nationally televised games and they're already not really cared about by NBA fans as a whole. So um, it's like the perfect, it's like an empty gym. You can just do his work outside of the public eye and it's fine. Uh, Philip Spatola, what would a deadline deal for Spider look like? Assuming Julius Randle is at least somewhat better and we go into the season with no resolution. Probably looks like, I mean, it hasn't been, there haven't been a ton of rumors for what this one looks like, but it looks like whatever this deal would be uh, and then drop it a bit because yes, there's still two years and change of team control. The difference, however, is that uh, how many other teams are bidding? How many other teams want to get in on this? Like I said, at the, towards the top of the show, how many teams even have draft picks that are available that they're willing to part with? So I don't think the deadline deal is going to look that much better. As time goes on, the Knicks gain the benefit of it. This, this is a ticking clock for Danny Ainge and the Jazz. So striking now is better for Utah than it is waiting until the draft. And who knows? Again, Mitchell's value could be lower. Mitchell hopefully doesn't, but could get hurt. Maybe it gets better. Maybe more teams get interested, find a way. But I just, it now seems like an opportune time for the Jazz, even though not a lot of teams who can offer what the Knicks can offer and are willing to offer. Aaron Roy, why would we want a backcourt of Brunson and Donovan Mitchell when a backcourt of Brunson and Luca wasn't able to put up a fight in the conference finals? Uh, A little different. I would say it's a little different here. Um, I mean, Luka Doncic is still one of the best players on the planet. I think a, the larger issue was Jalen Brunson maybe shouldn't be your second best player. As good as Luka is, he was able to carry it, but uh, maybe he shouldn't be the second best player on a contending team. Maybe if you have him as your third best player and you have someone else who slots in who's even better than you, then it works out. Uh, I also think, you know, they, got, they still got to the conference finals, even despite those issues. The question to ask in addition to that is, well, it's not even a question. The Warriors won the championship. They were an elite team that got the job done. I, I don't want to make it seem like the Mavs didn't fall short. They obviously did. But the Warriors just played dominant basketball. They won in five. And if you look at uh, shot quality... They tracked the shot quality of both teams. And a lot of it was just the Mavs shots not going in. That's a make or miss league. That's just what happens. But we could say, what if it doesn't matter because it didn't happen. But what if it goes the way that shot quality is saying and the Mavs are suddenly finding themselves in the finals, like even with Jalen Brunson's defense, like you just have to find a way to mask it, but it goes to the larger picture. It's a larger point. It's not, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, that gives me as much of a concern as it is. How do you find the guy? Okay, you found a great third or fourth guy in Jalen Brunson. Okay, 
you found a great second guy or so in Donovan Mitchell. Who is your first guy? Who is your alpha? Your top banana? If you don't find that player, you're you're kind of wasting time. There is time though. There's time for them to do it and to find that player. Just needs to be the right opportunity, and that's tougher to do if you have Donovan Mitchell on board, especially a few years early. CT Pittman, how much leverage does the Knicks really have given the Jazz are the desperate ones because of the position they put themselves in? Uh, Knicks have plenty of leverage. The leverage that the Jazz have is that they currently have Donovan Mitchell. Unless there's another team that can offer Donovan Mitchell a chance to make the playoffs and be good and continue to try to move on the upswing, I mean, I just don't necessarily see it. You can talk about Miami, but I just, I'm sorry. I, I like there are three, three picks in the twenties that don't move me. If I'm Danny Ainge, Duncan Robinson does not move me. Kyle Lowry, hard to move that contract, even as an expiring. Yes. Again, like you don't want Kyle Lowry to just sit there and help you hit the cap floor. You want to turn that into something of future value. And I don't know what 38-year-old Kyle Lowry earning $30 million does to help you. So they're actually at a pretty fascinating spot. Um, but I, I think the, just the one thing... I want to run through this quickly because I thought about this earlier. And I was going to actually tweet about it, but I decided not to because I thought it'd be better off to explain via podcast. So something really interesting to, to think about with Tyler Hero. He's extension eligible. Let's say that Tyler Hero is extended and then gets traded, right? The problem is that the math gets pretty wonky. Um, the incoming money that would have to work for the trade is now actually the average of his salary next year, still on his rookie contract. Plus, However, yeah, you know, include the average of the next contract. So the math is really hard to match. Um, but let's say he doesn't get extended and he gets traded. It then goes back to what I was just saying. Is it Duncan Robinson? Is it the picks? That's not really a super great deal. If you're Utah, you, you certainly want something better. Um, then let's talk about if Hero doesn't get extended. He's not traded at the deadline. Uh, and Mitchell stays in Utah through the season. Well, Tyler Hero can't be traded on draft night. And so it goes back to the similar issue that we just uh, talked about. Um, and if Hero stays with the Jazz and hits restricted free agency, math gets tricky again, even if uh, Donovan Mitchell's still on the roster. Why? It's our old friend, base your compensation. He's a, a BYC candidate, Tyler Hero is. So hard to overcome that. Um, basically, what it comes down to is, do the Heat love Tyler Hero? If they don't, that's a problem. Does another team like, love Tyler Hero? and is willing to work a three-team deal. Unless that's the case, I just don't see where the Heat really come in with a good offer. Trish D, sorry if I asked Jeremy, uh, which teams have more assets? Does our package really have to be huge? We have assets they want, and they need to come back to reality from their Minnesota pillaging for Rudy. So yeah, we just mentioned the fact that a lot of the good teams don't even have firsts that they can trade this year, for example. They're future firsts, but a lot of these teams have traded protected firsts, which then kind of gum up the works. So you're then looking at a not great team. You know, like we haven't even talked about Brooklyn. It's very possible that they try to do a four team deal that sends Durant out and Simmons out and Mitchell in. And, you know, it's Mitchell, excuse me, it's Simmons going to Utah and it's um, KD going to Phoenix. And I know, ESPN talked about sign and trading Aiton to uh, Indiana, but I just, you know, maybe it's just complicated. It's complex. You need DeAndre Aiton to want to go to Indiana where he very well, he very might well want to do that. But then there's just a lot at play. So um, I don't know. To me, it still felt like Danny Ainge saying someone, anyone, please top an offer that we have because we want something better than this. And uh, we just would love to create a bidding war. David, what's the latest on tampering and the loss of picks? Not a whole lot. There was a report. I want to say from the athletic um, in the Dallas representative, of the athletic, where there was a slight concern that agreeing to a sign and trade with Brunson might actually cause a tampering investigation. 
which is noteworthy because the teams that were dinged for tampering were all trying to or created sign and trades, right? Last year, it was Chicago and Miami. Both were sign and trades. With Milwaukee, it was trying to sign and trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. That didn't work out either. So the thought process is probably if we do the sign and trade, we probably get hit with tampering. If we don't, then we don't. So that's likely the latest on it. It doesn't seem like there are a ton of other things that are going to happen with this, but we'll see. Uh, Dan Ruhan, do Jazz want to get off Conley's salary? We can send Julius Randle and Evan Fournier to rehab their value and absorb both salaries. Obviously, we had to add, we we have to add picks and young assets. Yeah, I don't I don't really want Conley if we have Brunson and Donovan Mitchell and theoretically Emmanuel quickly and also theoretically Derek Rose. I know that something would have to give there. I, I totally hear that, but I think Conley's better suited going to another team. I probably probably doesn't help as much. Um, yeah, I just I think Conley's better off if you're Utah going elsewhere. You know, F, Jeremy, I think Begley mentioned the Knicks wouldn't send Randall somewhere he didn't like due to his relationship with Leon and Wes. Does the idea of that concern you at all? Uh, I'm curious as to when he mentioned this, just based on the fact that I think the Knicks do want to take care, so to speak, but also it's nothing personal. It's business. The Knicks gave Randall that contract and Randall agreed to sign away his right to pick where he gets to play. You know, if Julius Randall says, I don't want to go to Utah are the Knicks going to say, okay, how do we make this work? I think that if he's the last piece of the puzzle and everything that that's the case that he would be moved somewhere. So, uh, but we'll see again. It's, a lot is up in the air. A lot of fascinating things at play. But that was actually our last question. So I want to thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Um, we've got some great content moving forward. Probably just a tad bit less compared to the pre-free agency and pre-draft content that we had before. But uh, this has been a blast. Season one cream in the books. So much fun. Really. Um, Thank you. Thank you for all the questions. I'm, I'm very honored to be here. And yeah, it'll just, uh, I guess we'll, we'll have something cooking coming soon. And Sunday or Monday, rather, you'll hear from me and John. And who knows? Maybe we might just have something happening in the next few days. We shall see. That is all. Thank you again so much. Take care. And we'll see you soon. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.